This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Really? That's how you're going to, that's how, that's the voice you're going to start the I part, am. Our podcast. Gonna, everybody, with. welcome back to the Charlotte is Creative Podcast. What sort of deals do, what is it going to take to get me into this minivan? That's really, <laughs> that's the voice that's, I'm hearing. That's a bad, like, minor league baseball uh, <laughs> announcer, not creepy van guy. Why don't you tell the folks who you are? All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim Miner, co founder of Charlotte is Creative, and I'm excited to welcome you back to a very belated but extremely enthusiastic uh, batch of the Charlotte is Creative podcast. I'm here with my co-host and co-founder, Matt Olin, and also the man who's been teasing me and making fun of my voice for 30 That's years. That's me. That's me. I'm the other, the other co-founder of Charlotte is Creative. And Tim, I have to say, it's been a while, but I'm so glad that we're back in the podcast game. Like we're, we're able to sit down and start having these conversations again each month, which I'm just really excited about. Absolutely. I think this was one of those, the last kind of domino from COVID yes. that we're correcting. Uh, we started this podcast years ago and it expanded, but it, it began with um, doing a podcast right after the monthly meeting of, Char- of Creative Mornings Charlotte because every month we put incredible speakers on that stage, but 15, 20 minutes is not enough to capture their story, everything they have to say. And so this podcast was birthed from a desire to continue the discussion and go deeper with the people um, that have wowed us that month. And we're back doing it again. I feel great about it. Yes, we are actually recording this podcast in the Matthews Community Center in a room right off the Fullwood Theater uh, where we just had our first Creative Mornings Charlotte event of 2023. We were exploring the global theme of sanctuary. And our speakers were these three. They're sitting with us right now. This is this is the conversation we're going to have. But they were three members of the team at Arbridge for Kids, which is this remarkable organization in town that fosters the education and acculturization um, and, and resilience of newly arrived and first-generation children and their families. You know, they do this through after-school programs and summer programs and uh, community-based initiatives. And and so these are three of the people that's making that magic, that that powerful work happen. Uh, in the community. So we are welcoming you as our first, uh, the first guests of our newly revived Charlotte is Creative podcast. We have Liliana Halamil, uh, we have Yefferlin Gomez, and we have Sadaf Alemi. So And now that we've done that, we'll let them say their own names correctly. So we can can both learn how to say them properly. (laughs) So much practice, yeah, I'll never get it right. It's okay, Matt. I will correct you now. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm Liliana Jaramillo. Oh, yes. man, that's so much better. <laughs> so much better. And I'm Jefferlyn Gomez, or if you want to be fancy, Jefferlyn Gomez. Yeah, get, get those roles in there. <laughs> right, okay. And Sadaf Alimi. Okay, beautiful. All right, so I kind of threw you under the bus there, but I also threw you in the bus before by letting you pronounce their by by it's moving true. aside so you could do it in the first place it's true yes yes exactly someone had to take the the bullet uh, and I, I think you i think you did much better than than i would have but <laughs> all right guys we you you've lit up the stage but it's been a few minutes since been about half hour since you guys spoke so in our experience there's a letdown after you do a talk so we want to get your endorphins pumping we want to get you back up there so we're going to do a rapid fire pop quiz i'm going to ask you questions and i want like the first thing that pops into your mind, don't worry. Are you, are you looking for like one, two, three word answers? I'm here, looking like, like very quick yes, answers. Quick hit answers, no math involved be, okay. because we certainly <laughs> couldn't do that. All right. We would you guys that. ready? And we'll go down the line. So 
Here we go. Well, I'll, you know what? Just to keep it fancy, we'll go back and forth. That way you have a little bit of, we were, we'll, uh, we'll give you a break in there. All right. First question is, how long have you lived in Charlotte? 23 years. Uh, since February. Now that's quick. That's quick. One and a half year. All right. All right. So you're the rookie. You're the newbie. We got it. All right. We're going to start here. What's your hometown and what's it known for? Uh, my hometown is Kabul, Afghanistan. The famous thing is Eid, uh, Eid celebration. All right. That sounds cool. I'm from Wake Forest, North Carolina. And uh, the most significant thing, it's, it's a family town and it's growing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so, um, well, you put me on the spot. That's why I said 23 years, but I've actually been in Charlotte for like three years. Um, <clears throat> I live in a home, my hometown's called Oakboro. Uh, we're known for like our countryness, our redneckness, mudden, mudden, everything. So, y'all, you know. <laughs> that's a, if, hey, if, it, if you're known for coming up with y'all or saying y'all, that's, some, that's a proud tradition in our. Well, I'll t- I'm going to throw in a question then. What is the plural of y'all? Okay, you're you saying that is plural. <laughs> it is plural. You're saying it's plural. Yes, same. We have to disagree. The answer to that question is all y'all. All y'all. All y'all. All y'all. <laughs> all y'all. <laughs> now, we have had bitter fights in meetings about that. Because, yes, on the surface, y'all is plural. But you can also use it singularly. I mean, I've said it to people before. Y'all come on over here, and it's one person. So all y'all is for a collective. All right. We're going to go back over here. Do you have a nickname? Uh, yes. And it is? It is Sadafi. Oh, is, oh, wow. Your nickname is longer than your actual name. That's hilarious. <laughs> yes. that's, that's it. So what does that mean? It's my name, but like when someone loves you, they add I or something, so it's Sadafi. Oh. And my mom called me, or my dad called me Sadafi. That's beautiful. I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay. Nickname, and what is it? Um, so some people just call me Yef, and it's usually just when they don't know how to say my name or don't want to learn. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. But my family, they call me either Dede or Pipilla. And where is where does that? So come? Dede is literally my brother could not say my name, and so he would just say Dede, and it has nothing to do with Yefferlin, but that stuck. As I said, there's not even a D in in there, but uh, there is now, I guess. And yes, it is now, so it's stuck. And then Pipi, I was just like, I don't know, like it just sounds cute, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so my aunts just called me that because it's cute. And then now I have a little cousin, and he's Pipi Yo. So. Oh. Yeah. All right, pronunciation. <laughs> Be very careful with pronunciation. <laughs> okay. Um, in high school, they would call me Chili. So, well, I was. Is that Mexican. a nickname that you enjoy? Did like enjoy I being but, assigned uh, to you? I don't mind. They were like, oh, well, you're Mexican. It's okay. Chili. And I was like, okay. So, <laughs> just went along with it. Gotcha. Yeah. But, the fun of nicknames. Right. <laughs> All right. Just a couple more. Are, are you a breakfast or a brunch person? Breakfast. 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 Ooh. Okay. Early risers. You, you, I you like it. I like that. All right. Are you a morning, afternoon, or evening person? Uh, morning. Evening. Evening. Mm, so, do you guys even talk to each other in the morning at work? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. Last question. Nap or no nap? No nap. Nap. No nap. Oh. See, we're simpatico on that one. Like, I'm a <laughs> big believer in the 15 to 20 minute nap. You've always been good at that, but I, I just, I can't do it. I can't fall asleep. I, Kim and I, that's my wife. Kim and I talk about that all the time. It's rejuvenating. It's nice. I'm telling you right now, just get pull up the Netflix app if you have it. Find your standard situation comedy. They last 23 minutes. 
and just put it on. I train myself to wake up when the music for Everybody Loves Raymond comes on. At the <laughs> wow, end. that's a good method. To me, it's just a little shut eye, and and sometimes 15, 30 minutes is just not long enough. So oh, oh, you're a nap. I'm like a one hour nap, maybe two hour Four nap. Hours. It's not Later. a full night's sleep, so it's still a nap. You okay, know? all right, I'm digging it. More like right. a disco nap, you know, if you're going to take one of those before <laughs> yes. hitting the town. I, what I'm learning <laughs> right. about you then is you're someone that sees a project through to completion. I mean, no, no, you know, no messing around in the waiting pool, the kiddie pool. You're going full into the deep end. On something. <laughs> something like that, yes. I will, I'll get it done, but I'll take my time for sure. <laughs> that sounds great. All right. Well, now that you guys are, hopefully we've got your brains working again. We've exercised it. We're going to go a little bit deeper into uh, kind of some of the topics that we discussed. Yeah, and you know, our bridge for kids as an organization has been on our radar for years. I mean, the work that is being done in the community is so uniquely powerful and important and meaningful. Um, how could it not be? I mean, and, and Syl is, uh, you know, at the helm is, is such a great leader in the community and so well respected. So to bring um, you three to Creative Mornings this morning and, and hear a little bit about your personal stories, but then also a little bit about the work that you actually do at our bridge, um, that really starts to flesh out the just the uh, how our bridge sits in our consciousness in uh, in Charlotte. So um, you know we know that you know hundreds and hundreds of students have benefited from the work of our bridge, from you know tens uh, of you know like I I read on the on the website over 30 different countries and cultures around the world. And so we would like to hear a little bit more about the specific work that each of you actually do at our bridge, and and uh, maybe start with Sadaf or Sadafi. <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling you know. <laughs> Connected now that I to know you. That I'm never gonna unknow it. That's so nice. So that's beautiful. right. That's right. Tell us just a little bit more about the specific, very specific work that you do at Arbridge. Uh, specific, like I'm gonna help Afghan kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking with their own language when they can't understand English. Like uh, uh, they speak Dari or Pashto, and I speak Dari Pashto with them. Like uh, some uh, some days we have some topics about the artists or something, and uh, uh, I just explain them in, in their own language to understand. And uh, sometimes I, I I guide them to do some works or especially in uh, work uh, homeworks I help them. Most of the time, are you speaking Dari or or, an, or some other Afghanistan For, language? <clears throat> uh, uh, um, yes, in in Afghanistan only Dari and Pashto. Mm-hmm. But in, in, in my class, I speak Dari and Pashto most of the time because uh, I have young kids, like kindergartners and first graders. Ah. So d- uh, definitely they, they need the help. Yes. <laughs> yes. How about you? Um, so I am the family support manager at Our Bridge for Kids. So a lot of what I do is pretty much getting to know the families and pretty much seeing what kind of connection they need to the community. So at our bridge, we have about like 150 kids at the after school program, but we also partner with CMS. And so I have a few elementary school students, about 50 um, that I work with too. And so does Lily as well. Uh, but we pretty much, I talk to these families and get to know them. I, you know, we're genuinely curious. I mean, where are you from? What's your journey? What are your goals? And how can we be a part of it? And a lot of the kids that are at our bridge, a lot of them, you know, are learning English or maybe they can speak English, but maybe they can't read or write. Um, so a lot of it is also just kind of helping them get, um, their English acquisition up. So we connect them with whether they need, uh, support in school. Um, if they just need a food referral, if they want to know something in the community, if they need a medical referral or 
even if they just need translations. And sometimes it can be anything like literally like they need to talk to their landlord or something like that. Um, that's the kind of support we provide. So the, the name Arbridge for Kids can be a little misleading sometimes, right? Because yes, your cornerstone programs are working with, with uh, refugee and immigrant and first generation um, children, um, but the service is truly to expand to the entire, fa- to the entire family, this truly holistic approach. And I don't think an, uh, a lot of people uh, would necessarily know that if they hadn't gone deeper into the Arbridge work. How much interaction happens like between, let's just say, Sadaf and Yefferlin, like, you know, do you come to uh, come to Yefferlin and Sadaf with like, you know, I heard this um, was said by uh, uh, one of the children in my group. And so there may be some needs that the mom or the dad needs. You know, is there behind the scenes communication yes, that's happening the, there? Yes, the, there is communication, especially uh, uh, families, Afghan families, they have my contact number or uh, my contact. So they called me when they need something and I come to Miss uh, Yefferlin. They need something yeah. and we're gonna provide them. And yes, and so, some kids, yes, definitely. Some kids when they need something or the family needs, uh, they called me or they asked me and I will uh, talk with Yefferlin. Your, your interfacing with the children is almost giving you a window or a portal into the, f- the family. Like is you're, you, you know, you, you're working with the child but it gives you a sense of maybe what's happening in the larger family unit. Yeah. Um, Lily, how about the work that, that you're doing at Arbridge? So I basically do the same thing as Jefferlyn. Um, uh, Jefferlyn supports our elementary school students and our Arbridge families, but I am. Uh, this is our first year working with high school students, so I do my best to reconnect many chronically absent students uh, back into the school, making sure that we are able to bring up their scores if they're in need of uh, like services for learning more English. We are able to supply some flashcards so they can study ESL classes for not just like the students, uh, but also for the families. Um, if they're 18 and up, we can send them up and it's totally free at uh, Arbridge. Um, and we also do many community events. I'm able to uh, provide uh, loaves and fishes referrals, food referrals, clothes. Right now we're doing coats. So we're gonna uh, be able to give it to so many families. Um, but yeah, the only difference is just I'm with high school and Yefferland's with elementary. So we work very closely together. Were you on the Arbridge team during like the height of the COVID crisis? Oh yeah, that was right when I started. Because right, you mentioned absenteeism. Oh, so you, they, you were thrown in the deep end, no doubt. But you mentioned absenteeism. I would mm-hmm. imagine that that is one issue that was ex- exacerbated by COVID and do you, is that um, recovering? Is it getting back to sort of, is it normalizing in some way at this point or are we still um, recovering in um, that way? I mean, it's still very hard. It's still, and during COVID times when we were trying to reach out to families to make sure that the students were, well, not going to school, but logging on to Zoom classes, mm-hmm. it was just very hard because many of the parents would be at work, um, can't answer their phone, we can't call the child because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of them are like kindergarten and a lot of them can't speak English and don't know how to use a computer. So during COVID, absenteeism was very high. But now I would say it's still there. Yeah. 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 The recovery is hard. Yeah. yeah very yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, th- thankfully, you all are doing the work you're doing to help get us there for sure. Yeah. I mean, in line with what you were just talking about, Lily, like I know that uh, that oftentimes especially high school students, right? High school children of, of an immigrant family take on a lot of adult 
responsibilities. Um, so what are, you know, what are some of the things that, that you see or aspects of life in the United States that you see the students that you're working with and, and all this goes to all of you having to do in order to serve the family and, and help their parents adjust to life here? Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of, especially the boys always want to just work. They don't want to go to school. They want to work, support their family. Um, and I mean, the girls are usually like more into going to school. Um, but I mean, I feel like Jefferlyn has seen this a lot, even in her elementary school students. She has like a middle schooler who reads and translates for her family, like absolutely everything because the parents can't. And we were talking about how we wish she could come to the after school program, but her mom's like, oh no, like, I, I need her here, which we totally understand because I mean, I remember being in that role, having to translate law papers that I didn't know anything about, but I mean, we have to be there for our parents. So it's like, we know that they can't fully enjoy their childhood, but we understand how it feels like to be in that role, so. Yeah, and I do wanna add on that. We see that, yeah, with, with all ages, honestly. So even with Lily's high schoolers and my elementary and my middle schoolers, um, sometimes it's also just a cultural norm too uh, that the kids, especially the, the daughters, we noticed a lot, um, they're primarily the ones that help with translation, whether it's reading, writing, and it can be ch challenging as well because sometimes kids are looking at you know sensitive information, you know, like they have to read their parents' medical documents or um, keep track of their finances and. It can, t it can be a lot of pressure for sure, like uh, to, to be young. And so we do see that with our families and we do try to provide that support. And when there are times where me or Lily can go and do the translation instead, um, or Sadaf can translate, then we always volunteer to do that. Like even if it takes a long time, like I'll sit down and do it with you. Um, but like with the events and stuff that we have, that's for everyone, those are the chances where we really try to get like the other siblings um, and family members who cannot be in the program for whatever that reason is, we still try to invite them and try to see them and we give them services just as much as we do to their our, to the Arbridge uh, students. Yeah. Yeah, we do like translations in different language, Pashto, Dari, Burmese, English, Spanish. That's so helpful for families to understand better every detail, detail about the kids or what we are doing or when is the event or something that they, they need the help. And we document it, we translate it, and we send it to them to understand. Or sometimes we call them directly and we speak to them with their own language. And it's really good to them to know that we are doing this. And it's really good. It's really helpful. Yeah. I imagine there's direct translation, right? Like you take, you take a letter and you translate it, but then there's cultural translation, right? They're just habits and traditions and turns of phrase. And, you know, when you deal with or you know, work with your families, what what kind of cognitive dissonance do you see between the idea of life in the United States prior to moving here than the reality that they have to deal with uh, of what it actually is like to be an immigrant in the United States? Well, I definitely saw that in my parents, like growing up. Um, growing up, I could see that they were uh, using like food stamps, the WIC and everything. And I was like, oh, why doesn't like everybody use this? This is awesome. Um, but then I realized like, oh, like we're not very well off here. Um, and I mean, they had to, they had to figure it all, all by themselves. Like the, I remember my mom told me she would ask this lady to translate for her and she would ask her $20 a phone call. If they didn't answer, she would still have to pay her. So it's like, I'm glad that we are here as Arbridge to be able to translate for them free. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I love that. 
I will pick up the phone and call for any family at any time because I know that like that just lifts that off of them. So huge. It's yeah, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, it is, and uh, like uh, worldwide and even here, I mean, you're sold this this American dream, you know. So you mm-hmm. you believe that oh things are gonna be a lot easier over there. Everybody's gonna help. Yes, there's more opportunities. You know, I'll be able to do it. But the reality is like. For the families that we work with, and even with my own family, like it's, it's really not it's really not that easy. Sometimes you are alone. Um, sometimes, like even with my own family, like your own family member is like you might think, oh, I'm coming and they're gonna be there for me, but sometimes they're not. I mean, people live their own lives, so it's really important when you when you can find someone. I mean, if it is family or any community member who will just help you with something simple, like hey, like I can't help you fully, but hey, you can go here mm-hmm. or let me help you translate so you can at least get started. Like some mm-hmm. little things, little ways that you can help is important, and even taking the time to listen because even with my family I mean majority of them they have very thick accents and so my, you know my dad like when he talks sometimes he's like oh, I don't think people are gonna understand me as clearly or you know I want to try this opportunity but I'm kind of scared because my accent is so thick and I'm like no like try it somebody's gonna listen to you and if they don't listen to you you should not be around those kind of people so mm-hmm. yeah that's really important to giving people that that space yeah, like Afghan families, for the first time, they're struggling, uh, especially with the language barrier, with the different system of living between U.S. and Afghanistan, like paying the bills, how to rent a house or leasing the house, how to find a job with, uh, with no communication. And also, <clears throat> we help them to how to register their kid to the school and how to have a contact with the school teacher, how to know their grades or the how how is the performance of the kids and for the first time or from the beginning these things are so hard for a family who who can't speak english Mm. and uh, we help them to reach these things and uh, especially for me uh, in the three from like three months uh, when we came to us it was so hard like paying uh, paying the bills how to pay online how to find the grocery how to find the halal market for halal meat for muslims it was so hard and finding a schools for my young sister mm-hmm. how to reach the transportation it was so hard and we need someone or some organization to help us to guide us at the first Mm. And uh, the the Howard Bridge, they do the same thing for those families. Wow. I know even like when we had uh, Shafali Patel as our speaker a few months ago, she talked about immigrating to the United States from India. And in addition to all of the functional things you have to do, like getting registered for school, like you guys have talked about, there's also when you get to school and they're like, hey, we got to dye Easter eggs. And if that's not your culture or your religion, you know, she was, I remember she started telling the story, like, is this like a sacrifice to the bunny God or what it, you know, that because that there's just so much that's implied or that you're assumed, oh, you understand where this is coming from, but that's not part of your experience before. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I have this story. Um, They had snack time in kindergarten and my Mm -hmm. families don't do snacks. So I would always see kids take out like crackers and like chips and stuff and I'm like mom these kids are bringing this stuff to like to food to eat and snack time and I'm like snack snack she's like what are you saying to me <laughs> I was like I don't know they're just bringing food like can I just have something and she packed me two huge hot dogs <laughs> 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 the most American that's, snack you can possibly that's an eat. awesome snack so, 
during snack time, I pulled out these two huge hot dogs and this, it was like parent day or something. And she was like, oh, you brought your lunch? I was like, no, this is my snack. I have an apple pie for lunch. <laughs> so yeah, Just a rack just, of ribs. Exactly. <laughs> so that's just, just like, that's not normalized. Like in Mexico, kids don't just have snack time. I mean, they don't call it snack, but I mean, I didn't know what that was. My family doesn't know what that was, so... Sadaf, you know, we've all seen the headlines recently about, um, you know, the Taliban um, prohibiting uh, women from pursuing degrees, you know, and, um, and so much of the work that you all do at Arbridge is, is through the lens of education and, and schooling. I mean, how has seeing um, those things unfold from afar uh, made you feel about the work you're doing, um, you know, with kids in school and, and just, I don't know, the reality of it all? I'm here and I am happy that kids get educated, get to school, and they, they can continue their education, especially girls. But uh, I just heard that Afghan girls cannot go to school. Mm. They just stay at home. They just do nothing, and it hurts me a lot. Uh, yeah, but the, this country is a lot of opportunity. I can call it's a country of opportunities. Everyone gets an opportunity. Doesn't matter who you are, a male or female, a woman or girl. And uh, Afghan kids, especially I can say Afghan kids are lucky to get education in United States and they will get a degree and they will graduate from United States schools. And uh, for my country, it hurts me because no one goes to school. No one can continue there, even online. There's no system, and wow. it hurts me. And it's really the worst situation for, for girls. It's kind of dying day by day, yeah. like emotionally and mentally. And are you still connected with people, friends or family? With, uh, with in my Afghanistan? friends, sometimes, like every week, I can chat with them, but no, uh, like they have a weak communication, with weak network or lack of mm -hmm. uh, electricity, power, and yeah, they don't have money to buy a, a credit card to pay uh, for network. So there's a lot of problems. Yeah, I, I would imagine in with that happening in the background, like the, the to your point, the opportunities that are afforded here um, to 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 you know pursue knowledge, to pursue degrees is um, uh, takes on all the more meaning. You can not go for dancing or something. Because culturally, cause someone called you a dancer, and it's really bad for mm, them. Yeah. And it's really bad. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. So how, how can the Charlotte community, and maybe even in particular the creative community, the creatives of Charlotte, um, better support uh, our immigrant community here. What are what are some ideas or thoughts that you have around that? How can we how can we help more? 
Well, that's awesome question because, I mean, anything, anything is help, to be honest with you. Like, you could always visit us. We have an open-door policy, too, so if you ever just want to stop by, see how it is at our bridge, get to know us, I mean, there's opportunities for that. We try to host a lot of community events for not just our bridge, but, like, everybody to come, and we love to just mingle. Like, if we get invited to things, we love to show up. I mean... The biggest thing is just showing up and actually meeting the mm. Arbridge people. I mean, if you could sign up for volunteering, we could always use that, whether it's in the classroom um, or helping with events or even just helping family support, organize or, or translate. I mean, that's much needed. We also like to get the kids really active. So the kids have a lot of hobbies that they like. So a lot of them like sports. Um, they love sports. They love music. They love dance. They love reading. And so we have like club days for them uh, once a week at both our south uh, location and in the east and we could always uh we love if anybody in any of those avenues wants to come and volunteer or do a workshop that's one of the well that's a really good way to get connected to yeah and i feel like with just immigrants in charlotte in general just be kind be patient um if you see someone trying to order a sandwich and they can't they don't know how just help them mm. like how hard would that be to just be kind of like build that bridge our bridge <laughs> like come on yeah um, it's just all about patience because like, I mean, uh, Syl always says if they have an accent and they're trying, it just means that they're brave, mm. like they're brave trying to speak another yeah. language. So yeah, just be patient with our immigrants here. Um, help them if they need help translating somewhere. Um, that's all I have to say, really. Mm -hmm. Um, that's how I feel in my heart. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, we have at Charlotte is Creative, we have programs like the Hug Grant program where we, you know, these little love bombs of cash, $250 to advance a creative project. I am certain, without a doubt, that the people you work with, the families you work with, they've brought over their God-given artistry, they've brought over their cultural creativity. These are people that want to create and put their creative work out into the into the community, out into the world. And uh, there are resources out there to help them do that from our organization and others. Um, so we should explore that too. Like, how can we go deeper and really you know, mobilize the creativity that is inherent in the families that you're serving. And I think that actually goes with my, uh, my next, and I think possibly my last question, but it's, you know, I'm sure that for all of you, but I know you guys have been raised here. So there's a pride that comes from the fact that you've got a successful daughter, a successful child, but probably matched by a fear that you're, you're nor, you know, this idea of the melting pot, is more, you know, it, it's, it, and that we're a stew is kind of a myth, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure your parents and the people that, that you work with and maybe even you, you know, are, are worried about your heritage and your culture being lost. Is that something that, that, that the people that you serve are worried about? Yeah. And I feel like that's why when we do our culture events, we make sure to invite everybody and to be inclusive so that that's not left behind. And if our students want to speak Dari or Spanish or anything, they're free to. We will talk to them in that same language. If they want to not speak English that whole day, that is totally fine with us so that they can keep that and feel comfortable there knowing that their culture is shown not only in their country, but at Arbridge. Yeah, <clears throat> I have fear of losing Afghani culture because uh, uh, these young kids, when they came to USA, Afghan kids, they really, uh, they are a fast learners of English. And maybe one day they, can, they cannot speak Dari 
very well or Pashto and they can speak English and also they can forget the culture. And in Harbert, the good thing is they celebrate every cultures, like everything, and they can remember what we have in our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say sometimes, like e- even for me, even I'm scared too with like my family sometimes that throughout the generations that we're going to lose our roots and our culture. And I, I kind of see it now because being one of the first to be born in this country, I mean, my dad, at least he made me talk to him in Spanish. Like I would, I liked, I spoke both like since I was a baby, but my dad, like I talked to him in English. He'd be like, Nosotros no hablamos aquí, hablame en español. like talk to me in Spanish. And I, as a kid, I was like, all right, like dad, I like English. Like let me talk in English, but I'm so grateful he did it because I'm fluent in it. Um, I was able to learn to, to read and write Spanish through Bible study, actually, but it's a lot harder because I have uh, three other brothers and we're 10 years apart, then the other one's 20 years apart, and the other one 22 years apart. And my uh, the one that's 10 years younger than me, he is learning more Spanish right now because my dad didn't really like give him that push, um, you know, or my mom, and my parents got divorced too. So a lot of it being like a sense of belonging I mean America kind of it kind of does become a melting pot to a point but so much of a pot that you kind of lose touch with yourself and yeah and even like I have two younger brothers who they're Dominican but their mom is also Korean and American and so it sometimes it is hard to keep up such a blend of cultures and so at Arbridge it's like if there's anything you can do like speak your language show your flag introduce a song a holiday a belief I mean that's really really nice because it's a way of keeping yeah keeping alive on the on the side of generational americans i know there's a there's a fear now if you want to be respectful of other cultures and kind of dive in you can also be tagged as a you know culture as someone who's appropriating a culture um using an example you know my my wife um works with a team in india and just went over to india for a couple of weeks and wanted to um you know, wanted to wear native Indian garb because it was Diwali and, but was worried that it would look like she was kind of a cultural tourist, we'll say. And again, back to Shafali, thankfully she was like, no, you're, you're, it's all in the spirit. So what do you say, what would you say to charlatans that want to try to learn more about our immigrant community and the, and the cultures and traditions, but are worried that it's going to look like they're doing something offensive? Mm -hmm. I mean, definitely just be informed, find someone who is from that culture. And whenever we celebrate a holiday or introduce something new, we always make sure it's that it's someone who is native from that country. So like Burmese New Year, we make sure that our Burmese uh, staff leads that event or anything else like our culture events. If they're doing a certain dance, we're going to get people who come from that country to do that dance. So just be informed, be willing to learn. Um, I mean, as long as it's not shown offensively, like we love that people are wanting to be involved. Yeah. In in cultures. Yeah. I can agree. I mean, it's good to go right to the source. Like you can admire, you can appreciate, and you can embrace other cultures and places, but you want to learn directly from the source. And I can definitely relate because my stepfather is actually Indian and my mom has always had an interest in Indian culture, although we are Dominican and she was mostly raised in in America. I mean, since I was like young, eight years old, I've been going to like Indian festivals. I mean, Hindu celebrations. I've been learning a lot uh, about their culture visiting and things like that. And so we wear, you know, Indian wear, we celebrate things with them. And now it's part of my family but a big part of that is there's a big fine line between taking something from somebody's culture and saying it's yours but then admiring wanting to learn about it and actually doing that going directly to those people so I would encourage people in Charlotte whatever you're interested in you should go 
go directly to the source and learn from them. I, yeah. I, I would say that also maybe we need to um, adopt a more graceful culture. Cause I know too, I was talking to a friend of, of mine who, um, uh, you know, is of, of Indian descent and talking about how her brother is married to, um, you know, white woman and, but they've been married for quite some time. And so she wears saris and, and gifts and things she's gotten from the family and has had, let's be honest, white people come up and shame her for appropriating culture. And she's like, I'm, in an Indian family. Like this is now part of my family experience. Well, the three of you um, moved a theater full of people this morning. Uh, we, we went deeper with us on the podcast. Um, how can uh, people out there either follow you personally, learn more about you or, and, um, and Arbridge as well, get to know more about, about, about Arbridge and follow the work you're doing? Oh, yeah. So we're everywhere on social media. Our website is ourbridgeforkids.org. Uh, that's our, also our Instagram, our Facebook, um, our LinkedIn. So we do post regularly. I mean, we post events, any needs that we have. So I would encourage you guys to stay connected. Um, I mean, you can call us too anytime. You can pop <laughs> into the office. Just you can Google text us. our work phones. <laughs> yeah, we're available every, every day except mm, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're trying to be more intentional of making sure that we put everything that we do out there so y'all can see all the amazing things that our classroom facilitators, facilitators do, family support, community engagement, and our program does. Um, so definitely follow us on Instagram and our Facebook um, so y'all can stay connected and be within our immigrant community. Well, this was great. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do hit subscribe. And uh, I know it's cheesy, but uh, give us a five-star review. It helps us kind of come up and, and help people discover this podcast. More importantly, the stories of the people that we're trying to uh, extend. Because Charlotte truly is a beautiful, creative, vibrant, and very multicultural um, city. And, uh, you know, we are stronger for that. And uh, really thankful that you guys gave us your time today. There was not, there are very few dry eyes in the house. Absolutely. And that is a way to start a year. So The one thing I'll protest is that I don't think there's anything cheesy about a five-star review because this is the Charlotte is Creative hey, Podcast. Everybody. What's it going to take for me to get you into this five-star review? If you enjoyed it, don't go ahead and smash that like button. <laughs> Hit the bell so you'll get all the announcements when a new podcast drops. For that, I'm Tim Miner. And I'm Matt Olin. And this is the Charlotte is Creative Podcast. That's really how we're going to end. Wow. I Hey. Thank y'all. Thank you so much. Thank On behalf you. of our bridge and our regular voices, what you're doing here is amazing. So thank you for the, the platform for all of us to share our stories. Thank you for loving and caring so much about the community. And we're so excited for what's to come. That's the way to end. That is Mike. We can't talk anymore. Mike drop. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.